When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good morning, Eagle fans. Good morning, because we're all still breathing, right? And it's not necessarily a good morning if you were rooting heartily for your birds yesterday in Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There are probably some Eagle fans that are ready to sign on to. Yes, the Eagles can just stay in Vegas. Don't come home after that effort against the Raiders yesterday. Yeah, we'll talk about it for the next two hours. We would be Jody McDonald along with my co-host today. He's the best off the bench guy in the business. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports in for uh, John McMullen, who, as we understand it, is winging his way back. He decided not to stay in Vegas. Maybe he was tempted to, uh, but he's on the flight right now coming back to the East Coast. The Eagles were on the flight last night on their way home after the beatdown that they suffered at the hands of the Raiders. I hope they were hanging their heads. Do you think they were, Jeff Kerr? I'll tell you what, Jody, I kind of want to process yesterday's game out of my mind because that team, honestly, I think for the first time all year, they kind of had the feeling of the fans. Uh, Jason Kelsey showed it multiple times during that game, frustrated, upset. Where's this thing going? It's, you know, you saw Jason Kelsey shake his head after one bubble screen yesterday. It was just, it was an embarrassment. It, it, I can't believe this team. The, the way they are. And the crazy thing is, Jody, they – I going into this game, I thought maybe the Eagles were the third best team in the NFC East. After watching the Giants play in the 1 o'clock game against a Carolina team who really isn't that good, if, you know, all things considered, they may be the worst team in the NFC East. And Eagles may get two top five draft picks out of this year. Uh, I guess that's the only solace we can have in this season. I uh, do want to break down every aspect of yesterday's 33-22 loss – which, by the way, my Friday prediction here on uh, Birds 365 was for the Raiders to score 33 points, which is kind of an odd number, and I just kind of put it there, and it was surprised I hit that one. Unfortunately, I had the Eagles scoring 24, so uh, a little bit more than I they were able to achieve offensively. I gave them too much credit. Um, just a failure across the board. Uh, but I do want to start here. If you want to uh, beat up on Nick Sirianni, oh, you can. Uh, the onside kick, some people are genuinely second-guessing. I didn't have a problem with it. You're the not. accept of the penalty on third down, on fourth down, to push him back and make it fourth and the, the third and 13 rather than fourth and three, it's just uh, head-scratching, and you can't even begin to comprehend it, and that's... At the time, I'm going, what the hell is he doing? Not second-guessing after the fact when they complete a 30-yard pass. Um, 
the fact that he ran the ball, but then he went away from it and he came back to it. And the play calling was once again, very questionable. Um, I'll beat up on Nick Sirianni as much as anybody else today. Jalen Hurts, again, in woefully inconsistent, made some nice plays, ran the ball, gutsy guy, was under siege yesterday with the offense. The offense just didn't get the job done. That's all in the rearview mirror as far as I'm concerned as compared to this defense. This defense is terrible. It's just flat-out terrible. And Jonathan Gannon may have been thought of as a highly respected, ooh, future head coach. Give him the chance once you put him in place. Watch this guy go from here. And right now, this defense has no clue. They might not have enough talent. I don't think Cowie Roseman and the Eagles as an organization have ever emphasized linebackers as much as they should. But this system is failing miserably. The whole will just let them dink and dunk us to death and go all the way down the field and stick it in the end zone. The whole bend but not break. Well, they bend all the way to breaking by allowing the other team to do what it wants. The bigger problem right now, believe it or not, Eagle fans, is not Nick Sirianni and his play calling, not Jalen Hurts and his questionable quarterback play. No, the defense. You can't win with a defense like this, Jeff Kerr. No, you can't. And this is what upsets me the most, Jody. I, I did some numbers crunching last night. Ruben Frank had a really good dive of it. He went a little further than I did. But Dak Prescott completed over 80% of his passes. Patrick Mahomes, 80% of his passes. Tom Brady, over 80% of his passes. Derek Carr, 90% of his passes. What is Jonathan Gannon doing? He does know these guys are good quarterbacks, right? And you don't even try to blitz them. You don't even try to get them get them off their spots. No, you know, let's just rush four and we'll, we'll just leave the, the middle of the field wide open because we're playing too deep. And I just don't understand what, what they're trying to do here. We don't want to give up big plays. Well, you gave up big plays yesterday. I, I don't understand this defensive coordinator. And I, I actually had a fan say this to me on Twitter. and. I don't agree with too many fans, but I, I agree with this one. He goes, is it possible Jim Schwartz had lesser talent than this guy does and Jim Schwartz maximized what he had and Jonathan Gannon actually has decent talent on this roster and just doesn't know what to do with it outside of the linebackers. Now, he, he did make that point clear, but he has a front four. I, again, they don't have Brandon Grant, but Derek Barnett, he has as many sacks as you and I do, Jody. Josh Sweat had a quarterback hit yesterday, but he was – Pretty much invincible. We know what Fletcher Cox said yesterday. Javon Hargrave had a quarterback hit. He actually had a decent game. But Darius Slay's pretty good. He's had a pretty good year. Steve Nelson's been okay. He's had a, you know, for what he's worth. Like, I don't think Marcus Epps has been bad. I don't think Rodney Plaud's been terrible. I don't think Anthony Harris has been terrible. So what's the problem? It, it just can't be the linebackers. This defensive coordinator, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I just feel like he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. But yet, opposing quarterbacks and opposing offensive coordinators are laughing at him. They are, as of right now. You mentioned our buddy Ruben Frank. Uh, I need to quote this uh, statistical line that he put in his column today. Uh, in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles prior to this year, they had played 1,285 games over the entire history of the Philadelphia Eagles. In those 1,285 games, they had eight times allowed a quarterback to complete 80% of his passes. Only eight times in 1,285 games had they let a QB complete 80% of his passes. In the last five games this year, the Philadelphia Eagles have allowed the uh, opposing quarterback to throw for 80% or more four times. 
four in five games as compared to eight in 1,258. How do you be, how can you be that bad? I know the game has changed. I know the rules have changed. I know the way it's legislated has changed, but that's just almost unfathomable that you could allow another quarterback to have open rank, to have open wide receiver, deliver the football, no pressure. They just made almost every quarterback they play look like an MVP candidate. That's awful. I'm sorry, Jonathan Gannon. I know I got on his case a couple weeks ago when he had, well, we have no system. Well, no, no kidding. Um, but then he explained it thereafter. I didn't mean we have no system. I mean, I just don't want to be hemmed into calling just one system. I want to stay fluid. I want to stay optional. I don't care how he explains it anymore. All you have to do is throw in the videotape and watch how easily the other team moves the ball down the field. Oh, hey, no big chunks. They're not getting beat for 50-yard touchdowns. Whoopee. Uh, The team just takes three plays rather than one play to get it 50 yards and get it into the end zone. This defense right now, I I don't know where to start with it, Jeff Kirk, because you're right. Uh, the, The defensive backs are supposed to be good, but they're not coming up and making any plays. They're tackling afterwards, which isn't doing anything good as they move the chains. The defensive line, which was supposed to be a strength coming into the year, and I know they lost Brandon Graham, which is a big loss, but they're getting no pressure on the quarterback. This system is failing all over the place. And here's the other thing I would like to point out. I know the Eagles don't have good linebackers, but I'll say this. Alex Singleton is not as bad as he's been this year. I mean, he found a way to be semi-productive last year under Jim Schwartz. So what's the problem here? You know, Davion Taylor, Yeah, you can have all the 4-4 speed you want. The Raiders were just picking him apart yesterday. Uh, TJ Edwards, they gave a shot at starting yesterday. Again, good backup linebacker, but, you know, I don't think these guys are as bad as they make them out to be, or, you know, or John Vigan makes them out to be. I just don't understand what this guy is trying to do right now. Yeah, like you said, Jody, we're not giving up the big plays. Well, no, but you're just letting teams dink and dunk their way down the field. How many 90 yard drives have the Eagles given up this year? It's bad. They just, and you know, John McGann's probably looking at, well, we only gave up 33. Yeah, because the Raiders t- turned the gas pedal off, you know, pretty much when it was 30 to 7. That, that's the final score I, I view this as. It was 30 to 7. It wasn't 33 to 22 or whatever. The rest was garbage time. It was th- that 30 to 7 game signified who the Eagles were on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. And I never thought I'd say this in most of my lifetime. I don't think the Eagles, even in the Ray Rhodes era, when the Eagles had a bad offensive line, I wouldn't even say this. The Eagles were just dominated in the trenches yesterday. Absolutely dominated. The Raiders offensive line got so much push on that defensive front. I never thought I'd see that. And Yon Nagakwe and Max Crosby, they, they made fools out of Jordan Mulata and Lane Johnson yesterday. That was the worst I've ever seen a, a pair of bookend tackles played for the Eagles probably since Winston Justice gave up all those sacks um, to Michael Strahan and um, OCU Minura years ago. And then Gakwe was a guy who had become a persona non grata in the league. He was so highly thought of coming out of Jacksonville and then uh, to two different teams in between traded in the middle of the season. It was a big disappointment. He looked like that star in Jacksonville yesterday against the Eagles defense and most of it against Jordan Mailata, which by the way, and I do want to get back to the defense here in just a second. Uh, I, I I don't know if it was a day that you and I were together. I know it was a day at least once because I went to it about three or four times over the last uh, week. 
um, with John and the Eagles revamping with the offensive line when Lane Johnson needed some downtime to get his head screwed on straight. Uh, I did not like the move of Jordan Mailata to right tackle. He's capable of doing it, which says something for Jordan Mailata. Um, but they decided to do that the first week. They had Driscoll out there, and he was perfectly fine filling in for Lane Johnson. I thought they should have stuck with that um, and not moved Jordan Mailata from one side to the other. They decided to go there. Yes, uh, Dillard went in and played well for a game, but then he started to show he's Andre Dillard again. Uh, and now they moved my ladder back because Lay Johnson's back. He looked lost back at left tackle. I don't know if he's still got the knee injury, if he's not 100%, but he was getting beat like a, uh, a rug yesterday, as you pointed out. They, they mishandled that. If you've got Jordan Mylotta at left tackle and you paid him the money with his new contract extension and you think he's going to be there for the next umpteen years, just leave him there. Herbig's not the worst thing in the world to be plugging in at a guard position. And I thought Driscoll had done well enough outside phone and for Lane Johnson. I just think that was a miscalculation. Now, I know I'm calling Stoutland on the carpet and he's the Eagles' best assistant coach. And what do I know about offensive lines as compared to Jeff Stoutland? Well, here's what I know. My lot of stunk yesterday. He was terrible back at his normal position where you're hoping to have him for the next five years. Uh, yeah, uh, 2020 hindsight, I would love to say that, but it's not even because I questioned it before it ever happened. So sorry if I, I, I seem like a know-it-all that I know more than Jeff Stoutland. Well, maybe in this one situation, I do. Well, here's my thought process on it. The only reason I think they even moved Jordan Mala out of the right tackle was so they could showcase Andre Dillard to teams with trade deadline coming in eight days. And now the Eagles reportedly are seeking a day two draft pick for Andre Dillard. So Andre Dillard clearly isn't part of the future. And I think they wanted to show off, hey, look, this guy can play left tackle in the NFL. Guess what? You don't have one. We got two of them. Well, you know, the old saying, Jody, you know, you know what they used to say when you have two quarterbacks? Well, you don't have any. And, you know, that looked, that looked to be the case yesterday. And Jeremiah is a lot better than what he played yesterday. I mean, Jan Nagakwe, he's been doing this to outside last year. He's been doing this to left and right tackles for years. And, you know, it, you have to you have to protect. What's the word I'm looking for here? You have to contain Max Crosby. You do. Max Crosby is the best pass rusher in football this year. Has the most pressures, has the most quarterback hits. And I think he has the most sacks. But that frees up Young Ngakwe. That, free, that frees up Clean Farrell, who, by the way, doesn't play at all in Oakland system anymore. Remember, they drafted him four rounds before Max Crosby. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, one of these guys, they're going to get theirs at some point today. And I'm shocked it was Ngakwe just because Jalen Hurts never goes to his left. He never does. He always goes to his right. And I thought it would free up Crosby a bit. But Nagakwe just went right by Milada and Hurts was out of the pocket before he even got the ball, it, it felt like. It was, I mean, Jalen Hurts must have been seeing ghosts in Nagakwe yesterday because Milada just couldn't get his feet set when Nagakwe bull rushed him. He couldn't contain, you know, he couldn't contain them. Nagakwe would just do that quick move on the outside. Milada was beat. I mean, this was Jordan Milada's worst game as a professional athlete, uh, no doubt. And Lane Johnson wasn't much better. And I noticed it right away in the first quarter. I'm like, okay, like this team really needs Miles Sanders right now. And unfortunately, Miles Sanders was out. And I think Nick, you know, it, it was so weird how he abandoned the run, but I think you could understand why when you saw Kenny Gainwell make carries. And I thought Boston Scott should have been in getting those carries because he got 10 to 15 carries when he was 
filling in for Miles Sanders in, in the previous few years under Doug. And he wasn't really doing much either. So I guess Sirianni was stuck between a rock and a hard place with what he was dealing with yesterday. And again, there's some critics out there, Jalen Hurts, and I'm, I guess I'm one of them because I'm readily admitting he hasn't been consistent th- enough, but you can't knock him yesterday for just taking off and running for his life. Because as you just laid out there, the defensive line was in the backfield in about a second and a half. They just didn't have time to have any kind of plays develop. I think that's why, again, Devontae Smith did not have a big game. Now, again, Jalen had some passes that I thought were poorly thrown to Smith that they judged as Smith drops, which I didn't really see. You had to be an acrobat to be able to catch some of those balls that Jalen threw him, and uh, Smith just wasn't up to that task. But two second, boom, there's a guy in his face. I know that he knows that he can make plays with his legs, but I'm sorry. Any quarterback under the pressure that he was under yesterday would have to react in some way, moving right, moving left. He still could step up in the pocket a little bit more often than he does for me, but that's a minor criticism. He was running for his life yesterday. The offensive line, which was supposed to be a strength of the Philadelphia Eagles, as of right now, even with the return of Lane Johnson, is a stone-cold weakness. They are absolutely missing their uh, both of their starting guards badly right now. Offensive line, not a strength. And it's, a, even with Lane Johnson, a weakness for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a major weakness, Drew. I mean, Nick Sirianni was asked, I think it was Friday, you know, what's the status of Brandon Brooks? It doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. And I'll be honest at this point, like, I don't really care. It's one of those, you kind of just got to move veterans at this point. And I'm not talking about the trade that mine. I'm talking, I'm thinking after the season, it is time for a full-on rebuild of this football team. This team got old quick. They, they aren't coached well. We know – I don't even have to go into Howie Roseman. I could have a 10-hour show on all the mistakes Howie Roseman has made this offseason, yet alone in his 10-year career. So I'm thinking to myself, can you imagine if the Eagles had, like, a pocket quarterback back there, say a Tom Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger? They would have gotten sacked 10 times yesterday because there's no way they're running out. Like, I thought Jalen Hurts did the best of – what he had to deal with. And like you said, Joe, the guy was just running for his life yesterday. It was so hard to evaluate the kid. Uh, I'm like, I can't even evaluate this guy because he, he's already taken off. He has to do what he can. And, you know, he had a couple, I mean, the game was out of hand. He had a couple nice throws at the end of the game, but you're right. Just inconsistency all around. And, you know, he was, I think at one point he was like six of 13, six of 14. And like I said to myself, well, you know, this guy isn't good enough yet to, kind of withstand that. And I was just like, well, at least he's not getting sacked. At least he's not getting hurt. The one play I did think he got hurt, but you imagine Joe Flacco was back there yesterday, how bad it would have been. It would have been an absolute disaster. The Eagles were fortunate they had a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts yesterday because it would have been even uglier than what it was. All right, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. And the power of positivity, as a matter of fact. Howie Roseman, yeah. Not looking good. The draft from last year. Uh, the key free agent signings, Kerrigan, which I liked. Uh, not good. Some of the things blowing up in Howie's face big time. However, he did get his hands on that Miami Dolphin first round pick, which as of right now is number two in the draft. If the season were to end, and we'll uh, kick this around for the next 10 weeks into where, where we actually find out where it's slotted. But it is looking like a damn good trade. Uh, so you got to give him at least that much. And the Eagles are two and five, and they look terrible. And Jeff Carzori said today, 
the Giants may have moved past him in his. And Jeff Kerr beats the snot out of the Giants every chance he gets, both under his column and here on Birds 365. Had to admit, yeah, they look pretty good beating up on. They beat the Panthers a hell of a lot easier than the Eagles beat the Panthers. Very true. Uh, here's the good news, folks. The Lions are coming next week. Oh, it's kind of oh. it's kind of good news, bad news. It's a winnable game. It's absolutely a winnable game. I know it's on the road, but the Lions find a way to lose week in and week out. I'm not one of these who buys it. Yeah, but they play tough. They play good opponents and they hang in there. And they're in the Rams yesterday until the uh, second half of the fourth quarter of the game hung in the They lose every week. They're a poorly coached football team. Sorry, Deuce fans. He's part of that. The, the fact that they're always in games and end up blowing them in the second half tells me that they've got some talent. But the coaching staff, when pushed over the course of 60 minutes, don't do enough to help their players win. So next week is a winnable game. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. If they lose next week to the Lions, oh, my God, you think the Eagles have hit rock bottom now after this beatdown in Vegas against the Raiders? Oh, no, 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 no. They're going into Detroit next week. And if the Lions get their first win of the season against the Eagles, Jeff Curry and I will be here next Monday night, uh, next Monday morning. And damn, then it'll really get ugly. All right, speaking of ugly, no, I, I can do that because he's my buddy. He's my pal. Uh, coming up next, we've got Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. He will share in our ugliness. Ugly Jody McDonald, ugly Jeff Kerr, ugly Brandon Lee Grant. Why we're just describing the Eagles and how they played yesterday. Sorry, we can't get around it. It's pretty damn ugly. We'll come back with Brandon Lee Gowden next here on Bleeding on uh, Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work 
building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the Cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Here on Birds 365, Jeff Carr in for uh, Johnny Mac, who's uh, making his way back from Vegas with his tail between his legs, just like everybody else associated with the Philadelphia Eagles after yesterday's game against the Raiders. Here to lend a different uh, look at how bad it was, the Eagles and the Raiders, is our buddy from Bleeding Green Nation, their editor, their leader, their chief, their chief cook and bottle washer. Uh, it is our buddy, Brandon Lee Gatton. BLG. You've been watching Eagles for years now. You've been uh, the main guy at uh, Bleeding Green Nation forever. Um, how do you put yesterday's loss in perspective? We've dealt with enough losses last year, getting Doug Peterson fired this year, not a great start at 2-5. and five. How does yesterday slot in with all the other slop that we've seen out of the Eagles for the last year and a half? <laughs> I just think it's an embarrassing loss. Um, it's not to say that the Eagles should have came out and dominated this Raiders team. But the Eagles had a lot of things going for them on paper heading into yesterday's matchup. I mean, like, they had some favorable matchups in the trenches, you would think. The Raiders unexpectedly were missing Darren Waller, their best offensive weapon by far. The Eagles had extra rest coming off the mini-buy. Uh, it just thought, like, okay, the Eagles should be respectable in this game. They shouldn't get blown out. And for them to get dominated like they did, and in some of the ways that were favorable in terms of the trenches and everything, it's just embarrassing. They they were outplayed. They were outcoached across the board. It's just it's a total failure and embarrassing effort. What is the biggest problem with this football team right now? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> so I think there's, there's a couple of different ways to answer this. I think for me, and I think a lot of Eagles fans, the problem is that there's a lot of long-term issues here it's not just about this team it's not just week to week it's a long-standing thing it was at the end of last season when the eagles decided all they needed to do was get rid of doug peterson and jim schwartz and trade carson wentz and that would fix everything and they can transition to this great new era well not really because there's a lot of issues in the front office that are still here and you hire a new coaching staff okay but they look totally in over their heads and Jeffrey Lurie set the table for this season before it began. We all knew, know this. He said this is a, quote, real transition period, and he compared it to 2016. 2016 
did not feel as discouraging as this does right now. So I don't want to hear that this is like 2016 all over again. The Eagles are building towards something great because they're not. You're not seeing any positive signs from this team that you think, okay, maybe we can kind of, you know, build on this in the future and next year and we just, you know, do some some things. We make the right free agent signings. We hit on these draft picks we have and everything will be great. You're not, there, there's not a sense of that. It feels a lot less hopeful than it did at that time. You, you gave a whole bunch of points there, and they, they were all very on point, as a matter of fact. The Eagles are struggling in a lot of different areas. It's very difficult to narrow it down to number one that's on the top of the list. And we won't even mention Carson Wentz, who looked okay last night in the Colts' win in the rain out there in San Francisco. We'll, we'll keep that for another day. Uh, I'm piling on on top here, and I know that, but I think uh, they deserve it. As bad as Nick Sirianni's play calling is, as inconsistent as Jalen Hurts is, as big a mistake as they made by moving Mylotta from left tackle to right tackle, back to left tackle while he's hurt. I got a bigger problem with the defense, BLG, because Jonathan Gannon told us when this season started, one of the keys is going to be is surprise. We don't want to tip our hand. We want to be able to deceive the offense. We want to have the upper hand and not be able to be matchup. They're as obvious, they're as blatant as vanilla ice cream that you just know what's coming. Every single play, they're going to be in a soft-shell defense. They're going to let you throw the ball underneath. They're not going to have playmaking linebackers. Where's the deception? Jonathan Gannon talked so much about deception. We're going to be able to deceive other teams. No, they might be the most obvious defense in the National Football League. They surely were yesterday against the Raiders. 31 of 34 passes for Derek Carr. Three incompletions. That is insane. 91 or whatever it is percent complete. That's just so unheard of. I know offense is easier than ever in today's NFL, unless you're the Eagles, apparently. But like, it's just so unthinkable how that can happen. And you're right. It's This defense is fooling no one. It's so easy for quarterbacks who aren't Sam Darnold, who is terrible and shouldn't be playing uh, and got benched yesterday, to just sit back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To just sit back and and you know Jimmy G too, and to sit back and just take what's there. And there's no creativity. And like people want to be like, oh well, you know, it doesn't have the linebackers or the talent or whatever. What well, what happened to the off season when Jonathan Gannon and Nick Sirianni both were getting like showered with praise for being like, oh, we're gonna coach up to the player strength. We we don't have a scheme. It's all about the players, players, players. I mean. BS. No, it's not. You're trying to institute this scheme. It's all about this scheme. It's clearly not working. It's not creative at all. I get the theory of wanting to eliminate big plays, but not at the expense of just giving the other offense what they want. Like, like offenses with good quarterbacks are going to be able to go down drive after drive and sustain good drives. Yeah, against the bad quarterbacks, okay, but you're not winning a championship with only playing bad quarterbacks. You have to have some kind of recipe to beat the good ones, too, and the Eagles don't have that, and more concerning than maybe anything uh, besides the results on the field. The players aren't buying this either. I mean, Fletcher Cox, Rodney McLeod, those comments after the game, they clearly are not thrilled with this scheme. You pretty much led right into my next question. Uh, Fletcher Cox's frustration, obviously, we all know the quote now, you know, I don't get paid to cover screens. I get paid for set. Even Jason Kelsey. I've never seen Jason Kelsey as frustrated as he was yesterday. I'm not even talking about the penalty. I think a couple plays before that, they did like a bubble screen on first down. And he just shakes his head. Like, like, have you ever seen this from veterans on this team? These, these guys are Super Bowl champions here. 
I mean, that's a good point. Like these are guys who have credibility in the NFL. They've established themselves and this coaching staff very much doesn't. And again, there was table setting for this year about like this, you know, not being a finished product and they're going to grow. And Jeffrey Lurie literally used the phrase or something like, you know, with when, when he hired Nick Sirianni on the call that the Eagles released that he, he couldn't wait to see the coach Nick Sirianni is going to become, but like, okay, I get you can say like you're not expecting him to be the best coach in the NFL year one, but like they're way far off from that. I mean, you're just what are you seeing from this coaching staff that you're like, okay, there's something here. There's something here. They're, they're, you know, they're not a finished product, but there's, you know, maybe with time they can kind of become something great. No, you're not seeing anything special, anything worth keeping here beyond this year. It's a disaster. And I'll, I'll uh, give Fletcher Cox a lot of credit because he stepped to the mic yesterday. And he certainly got his point across. Yeah, I'm not here to cover screens. He didn't need to really say anything more after that uh, lack of aggression. Um, but he did so with some respect. He didn't just go off. He didn't just throw Gannon under the bus. He more like gently nudged Gannon out underneath the bus, which I thought was very well done on his part um, because he, he, he could have gone off and then you could see the fissures in this team. So uh, kudos to Fletcher Cox. I thought he handled his postgame responsibilities uh, very well. But Fletch, how about the guys on the defensive line with you? And we know Hargrave is having a really good year. Their defensive ends stink on ice. Uh, they they made a decision to give Josh Sweat a contract extension. So you have to hope this was just a bad day for uh, Josh Sweat. And he's having a below average year, but not a terrible year. Why is Derek Barnett still here? Why is he still playing? You, I, and Jeff had the same number of sacks that Derek Barnett has this year, going stretching back to last year, 10 straight games without a sack. Why is he still on the lineup, BLG? Yeah, I think he might have like one sack in his last 12 games or something. It's it's crazy. It's just it's nuts. Uh, Derek Barnett, part of the reason he's still here is because the Eagles can't get rid of him because Howie Roseman restructured his contract before the season. Howie Roseman, also the guy who picked up his fifth-year option for his 2017 first-round pick. Um, that clearly isn't being a difference maker in a positive way for this team. So that's really frustrating. And look, Fletcher Cox can complain about the scheme, and I think he has some fair gripes about that, but – you know, this is Fletcher Cox. He's the highest paid player on the roster. And I believe he only has two sacks and four quarterback hits in his last 11 games. That's just not the kind of impact at the end of the day. You're looking for a, the star player on your team. And that's kind of the issue around. There's issues all around. The coaching is bad. The talent isn't as good as the resources that are invested in it. Uh, like, it's not being justified properly. Everything is bad. There's not like one thing and one thing only that is bad. It's not that simple of a fix. And that's why it's kind of just hopeless from a long-term standpoint. Like, cause you, you see, everyone knows there are issues here. There's bigger issues than just fixing one thing, but no one has faith that Jeffrey Lurie is going to actually do what it takes to fix that thing. And, wipe the slate clean and kind of give people see that that's my thing guys i know i'm kind of rambling here and i'm going off topic but like the thing with the eagles to me is if you made a change across the board and wiped the slate clean at least we could kind of give them patience and benefit of the doubt but until they do that they're not going to earn that this organization has very much not earned the benefit of the doubt there since the start of last season they're like what four teams um, that have fewer wins than them. And you're talking about like the Jags and the Lions and the Texans. Like they're, they're, the Eagles think they're this great team and they're among the NFL's elites. They're not. They're among the NFL's bottoms and they don't realize it. 
That's fair. Uh, Jeff, let me just ask a quick follow-up question. Um, along those lines, and again, questioning the overall structure of the team, Milt Williams, they use a third-round draft pick on this guy. Brandon, uh, Brandon, the other BLG, uh, Brandon Graham <laughs> goes out, and we all acknowledge that Derek Barnett is doing squat-ta. Ryan Kerrigan, who Jody McDonald guilty, thought was a good signing, never even shows up on the stat sheet. The guys aren't getting it done. Why isn't Milton Williams getting more time at defensive end? If you got him to be a guy who could be a Brandon Graham clone, Brandon Graham part two, move inside and outside, I, I never see him in there as a defensive end. Why aren't they giving him a shot outside? He can't do less than uh, Derek Barnett. Uh, come on, Howie, Mr. Advance, my own draft pick. You use the third on this guy. If you do, as we believe, influence playing time and twist coaches' arms and the like, why isn't Milton Williams playing outside? It's a great question. Uh, Milton Williams has zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, and zero tackles for loss this year. And, you know, he's not playing a ton, so that could be part of it. Harder to get the production when you're not playing. Uh, but you know, why is Ryan Kerrigan on the team, honestly, at this point? He's one stat, and I think like 173 snaps this year. He's basically invisible out there. He's not a long-term piece. The Eagles aren't good enough to be like, you know, sacrificing some of those long-term, uh, the playing time for those long-term pieces like Milton Williams, even Teron Jackson, who, look, Teron Jackson might stink. I don't care. Like, play him instead of Ryan Kerrigan, who is, his snaps don't mean anything for this team. You're not finding out more about him. Trade Ryan Kerrigan for literally whatever you can get, which might be nothing. In that case, again, just cut him. The trade deadline is in, in about a week on November 2nd. So, you know, figure it out by that point. Um, it's, it's just really disappointing. If this is a transition year, play the young guys. Don't play these veteran players who aren't going to be here and aren't consequential to this team anyway. So, yeah, Milton Williams should absolutely be playing more. Now, he, he got banged up, obviously, in yesterday's game. We'll see where he's at injury-wise. But he should absolutely be seeing a lot more snaps as across the board with the other young guys. Yeah, you know, I remember 1998 very, very vividly. Like, that, that team was going to be terrible. Lurie knew they were going to be terrible. He knew Ray Rhodes was on the way out. But Ray Rhodes always played the young guys, even though he was the lame duck coach. I feel like since the Super Bowl, Lori's lost his mind. Like, he, he just is like, oh, we're, we were the Super Bowl champions four years ago, and I'm the greatest owner since sliced bread. And I, I don't know. Like, it's almost like he's turned into a different person since that whole Super Bowl, since he finally got that trophy. And he kind of is lying and deceiving to the fans this year. Like, this team is going to be a competitive team. Yeah, I mean, they wanted to toe the line, right? They were like, we're going to be in a transition phase. He didn't want to use the word rebuild. He didn't say this is going to be a year, you know, where they're going to take their medicine entirely and kind of just work towards the future. Uh, as Howie Roseman often likes to do as well. He kind of wants to have, he doesn't want to pick a lane and just stay in it. He wants to do both. He wants to build towards the future and try to win now, which I respect to some extent, um, but like not to the point where I think this year should have really just been more all in on the future and admitting that you're not good enough and investing everything. And now look, you know, they have the draft picks next year. Um, they didn't give out like any crazy contracts and free agency this year in terms of like locking up future money and uh, old and bad players. So they've done some of that, but I don't think they've done enough of that. And the one year signings that they have made, like Brian Kerrigan, Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, these aren't building like these are just like flops. They're they're not any kind of impactful, meaningful difference makers. And that's okay from the standpoint they're one year deals, you just move on, but you didn't gain anything. You didn't make any progress. At best, you just stayed neutral. Um, and if you're not getting ahead in the NFL, you're getting behind. And that's where this team is. They are very much behind a lot of these other teams. And again, it comes down to like, where is the hope for the future? What makes you feel good? Okay, they have these 
very high draft picks next year in the 2022 NFL draft. And if they get those picks right, that could be, you know, a core to build on moving forward. But like, you still have to figure out the quarterback, the coaching staff, who knows? And do you even trust the GM here in the personnel department to make the right picks at those picks and get those core pieces? It's all just, I don't mean being to be doom and gloom and like have that be my agenda or anything, but like, this is the reality of the situation. And it's just, it quite frankly, it sucks. And we all have to deal with it. Uh, Brandon Lee Gowton here with us on Birds 365. All right. Uh, no, you wrote about it. No, we talked about it. Ooh, the mini buy after the Thursday night game. Extra time to pre- prepare for their next game. Not any extra practice. The players benefit. They get that much more downtime. But the coaches had that much more time to study film and self-evaluate and put their heads together. Did you see anything yesterday, BLG, that led you to believe that they they did benefit from the extra time? Because it looked like the same old, same old to me. The opening script, obviously, was successful and good. And I, I think we saw some looks in terms of them running the ball from under center instead of just every run play being an RPO, like Nick like Sirian has talked about in the past. So there was that, but, but then, then there was nothing because the offense totally stalled out. Jalen Hurts. Like it, it's again, there's failures at every level. The play calling isn't inspiring. You have Jalen Hurts who can't hit a receiver, Devontae Smith, especially like on a slant route. It's like it's, it's a slant, guys. It's like one of the easiest throws. It's the most basic throw, one of the most basic throws in the NFL, and he can't execute it. The ball is behind, the ball is low. Like at the end of the day, like you have to make that throw. There are throws there to be made. I totally do not buy the notion that, oh, we can't evaluate Jalen Hurts fairly. Now, I'm not going to say like, you know, he's been set up to succeed in every possible way. I guess get that but like there are still plays to be made here and he can't make those throws is inaccuracy he's holding on to the ball forever there are bad decisions running the ball yesterday where at one point he slides down short of the marker and on you know and then instead of getting the first down that he easily could have gotten and Hertz admitted this after the game he was ultimately get knocked back on the sequence that was where Jason Kelsey had that penalty and what could have been a first down ended up being like fourth and 25 or whatever it was it's just like this team they just stink across the board so going harder on Jalen Hurts here did the, the Eagles even try to bring this guy back next year because look we know the draft situation it's the second pick sixth sixth and 13th but this quarterback class isn't good. I think Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral might be the two best quarterbacks at this point. I'm not sold on either of them. So, so what do you do? It's a great question. I think a lot of people are tempted to be like, hey, let's just build up the defense or the team, you know, and then we'll figure out quarterback later. But I mean, like, okay, that's kind of how you get into a point like Washington is, though. Or, you know, are these other teams that kind of like you're too good to really get the quarterback but you're not bad enough to actually contend because you don't have the quarterback. So uh, I think it's really dangerous to, to say, ignore the quarterback for now, put that on hold. Like, cause if you don't have that, then you have nothing. And maybe it's about getting aggressive and using those picks to try to acquire a more established player, you know, Russell Wilson. I doubt they're going to be able to get Aaron Rodgers, but you know, someone who could try to bring in like that. Um, drafting is obviously a tough thing. I, I think people have to calm down a little bit with, oh, there's no quarterbacks in this class. I mean, people said, you know, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota were going to be amazing, and then they weren't. People said Carson Wentz and Jared Goff weren't nearly as good as Marcus 
there's Mariota and Jameis Winston. And uh, those guys are still, still both still starters where Mariota's a backup and Jameis Winston, not the most inspiring starter. So uh, we don't always know what the quarterbacks look like coming out of a class. Um, but certainly there's no obvious answer. It's not like, okay, you know, like for the Jags example last year, like Trevor Lawrence at the top, we can just get that guy and then he's our guy uh, or Joe Burrow for the Bengals. So uh, there's no easy answer right now. But I, I think, I don't know uh, if Jalen Hurts is back next year. I mean, he's under contract. He's cheap. I think you would be able to keep him around, but he can't be their plan A as a starter. That much I know. I know that it has been well reported that the Sean Watson doesn't want to come to Philadelphia. It's not his choice. And he has final say over where he goes because he does have a no trade clause. Uh, there's certain pressures that could be exerted by the Texans, not necessarily by the Eagles, but by the National Football League as to how they're handling him. Right now, they're letting him sit around and collect his checks, which is a pretty good deal if you're Deshaun Watson. I don't think he deserves that, but that's what we're dealing with right now. Is there any way the Eagles can try and improve their position to potentially acquire uh, Deshaun Watson? I know there are some people out there that don't want any part of Deshaun Watson and his legal situation is what it is, and it may turn even uglier down the road, but if we're just... Narrow focused on the football right now, having Deshaun Watson or any of the other Eagle options at quarterbacks, Deshaun kind of sticks out like a sore thumb that he would be a major, major, major upgrade. Is there anything that the Eagles can do to make that more possible? No, they can't. Uh, but I mean, look, they've tried. They very much tried. I mean, I think it was John McLean who said yesterday, you know, that the Eagles tried to get Deshaun Watson, but. Deshaun Watson said no, and that matters, as you said, because he has the no trade clause. And I, and I get it from Deshaun Watson's perspective. I don't even think it's just about the Eagles being bad right now. It's about the market. And I think Deshaun Watson, who was caught in the offseason uh, being filmed by reporters and being like, why are you guys filming at me? Uh, I don't think he's going to handle that very well if he comes to Philly because there's a lot of <laughs> you might not know this, but there's, there's a decent amount of media scrutiny here. I think he wants Miami in part because that's a softer market to be in. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think the Eagles can do anything because it's about the market, I think, in part. Uh, and, again, that's not a lack of effort, though, from the Eagles. I think they know and they have known that Jalen Hurts, for as much as there are some things to like about him, he is not a championship-caliber quarterback. I think that much should be very clear. And they are going to be looking and exhausting all avenues they can to get one, as they should be. But it's just a matter of actually do you have the fake – faith they can pick the right guy or if they'll even have the opportunity to pick the right guy because right now again those options aren't just obviously out there so in how can i word this in in your mind who would be the most ideal quarterback for them to trade for out you know russell wilson Aaron Rodgers, and sean well i'm sure there'll be other ones across the board as the all-season draws near yeah, you know, I guess sometimes it's possible someone pops up like, did we know for sure at this time last year? Maybe, you know, that Matt Stafford would be available. Um, so there's a name that could pop up. But uh, I mean, I would say Russell Wilson. I mean, that's a guy that, you know, obviously the Eagles wanted once upon a time and Harry Roseman thought he could wait to get. Alas, was not the case. Um, but it's not like, you know, you bring Russell Wilson here and that fixes everything. I think that's a, it, it helps a lot for sure. But again, there's there's no guarantee they can even get him. I mean, and they're giving up a lot of picks to get him, and then you have other holes to fill. It's just again, there's no easy answer for this team. It's not like you just flip a switch and everything is fixed. Um, I think that's a start to maybe fixing things potentially. And I think even though he is older, he's gonna be 33. He is 33. You're gonna be 33. Um, I still think he has multiple good seasons in him. But man, 
I really think this team, this organization needs to wipe the, the slate clean. They need to wake up and stop thinking there's something they're not. And until they do that, and there's no evidence that they are, then they very much do not deserve the benefit of the doubt. That's what I keep coming back to. All right, uh, BLG, last thing for you. And again, always appreciate it whenever you hop aboard with us. You do a great job. Check out his website, Bleeding Green Nation. It's uh, one of the best for the Eagle fans on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, Howie Roseman, when he traded Zach Ertz, the next day he came out and said, when asked, it might have even been you who asked the question about being a seller. Oh, I don't look at us as sellers. We're just giving other guys. A, and he couldn't go back to Jackson often enough, the, uh, the off the scrap heap, former quarterback tight end, who made some nice, had some nice practices in the preseason. Hasn't really done anything. Even in the preseason games, he didn't make plays. Um, but he shows athletic ability. And eh, I, I do will, I'm very interested in seeing him play. But how he made it sound like a finished product. Um, he just dismissed the whole we're a seller thing, which I get it. He has to do because mm-hmm. you don't want to give other teams to level. Hey, we know you're dying to sell, Howie. We're not going to give you a squad. Um, and they've got to try and continue to win games. And that's one way to diffuse a locker room is uh, show your hand that you're not really worried about winning games. So I get it that he had to say it, but he said it with such fervor and annoyed me that he was trying to make people believe Eagle fans buying tickets. Oh, yeah, no, we're still in this. No, you're not. Um, The reality is if they can sell over the next eight days before the trade deadline uh, drops, they will. Can they get anything for anybody on this roster? Anybody who would be capable of being dealt, advisable of being dealt. I threw out their uh, cover corner last week, Maddox, and I was shot down because they need Maddox. They got to have Maddox going forward. I think anybody could be traded on this team with the way they're playing right now. Is Howie going to do more selling over the next eight days, in your opinion? He should be. I mean, except for like maybe Devontae Smith. You know, I, I think every player on the roster shouldn't be untouchable. Every single player. I mean, and then Jordan Milata too. We'll, we'll throw him in there. And I guess Josh Sweat maybe. But like most players, the point is, should be available for sale. I think, you know, there was r- rumors that Andre Dillard is, the Eagles are receiving calls on him. And gee, I wonder who put that out there. Um, and I'd be looking to sell high on him if you could, because I know he's looked promising and you might be tempted to say, hey, let's keep him around. But like, I am not sold on him being a long-term piece, especially with Mylotta under contract for multiple years. And Lane Johnson's still here under contract for multiple years. I would look to try to get what you can for him, if it's going to be a decent offer, I would look to move on from someone like Steven Nelson, who I think has played well this year, but he's on a one-year deal, and I'm not so sure that you're going to be able to re-sign him to like a, a, a team-friendly deal in the offseason. I think you kind of might want to maximize, and a lot of teams have cornerback issues too, so I think you, maybe you can get like a, a fourth-round pick for him. I would take that. I know it kind of leaves you with a hole this year, but guess what? This year doesn't really matter a lot. Get what you can now and try to get pieces that you can build with for the future. So uh, it would be nice to trade like Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett and pieces like that. But the, the way the Eagles have restructured those contracts, they can't really do that. So they're kind of stuck with some of these pieces too, which, hey, great management again by Howie Roseman doing a really bang up job there. So uh, there are some pieces, but it's not going to be a complete fire sale. You just don't see that in the NFL. I, I think they should do that. I would like to see that. But I just don't think it's realistic. I think they make a couple more trade, one or two more trades in terms of selling people, but I don't think much beyond that. 
I, I just came up with one more name. It just dawned on me, and I want to ask you about it. Uh, thanks for letting me hop in here, Jeff, to wrap this up. How about Gardner Minshew? There are some teams in the NFL that might be better than they thought they were going to be, and they didn't really bulk up or build up their backup quarterback position, and they know full well. Yeah, if our guy goes down, we're probably screwed. Uh, Minshew is a guy who's proven that he can start in a league. Not that a high level, but he's a starter. The Eagles gave up what they gave up for him. They might be able, even on a conditional basis, do better just by turning around and flipping him. If they move up one round from what they gave up to get him to what they could potentially give him for, is that worth doing? Or do they want to keep Gardner Minshew and maybe let him play last game, next to last game, couple games at the end of the season, and give him a shot to prove that he should be in the uh, thought process for future quarterback of the Eagles? Yeah, I would keep him if you're only getting an offer to like go up like a round. What, they give up a sixth for him and you're getting like a fifth? That doesn't really move right. the needle That's a whole lot for me. Yeah, I wouldn't do that, especially because if Hertz gets injured and he's missing significant at time, there's just no benefit of playing Joe Flacco. You're not going to learn anything about this team or Joe like Joe and Joe Flacco is not going to be here next year. Like, there's just no point of playing Flacco at this point. The only point of playing Joe Flacco would have been if the Eagles were actually good this year and you needed a guy to kind of keep you afloat. Um, I just don't see that. I think sooner than later. The Eagles should be keeping Minshew active on the game day roster, um, not only for the sake of if Hurts gets hurt and he has to play, but also for maybe a little bit of added heat on Jalen Hurts. Not that I think he necessarily needs that to play well, and that's the key, but to have that there could, I think, could be a nice little uh, extra motivation factor for him. Uh, so, yeah, I would not be looking to deal him. I would, If anyone, I'd like to be moving Joe Flacco, but I don't know who's giving up anything for him. That's why I went to Gardner Minshew, because someone might actually be interested in him. I don't think anybody's giving you anything for Joe Flacco at this point. BLG, always a pleasure. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you much. We'll be reading you all week. Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. Brandon Lee Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation here with us on Birds. 365. All right, we got a good guest coming up next uh, hour as well. Les Bowen, who covered the Eagles for decades for the Daily News Inquirer, um, doing some fill-in stuff here and there, Associated Press. Uh, LB will join us in hour number two. But we'll come back with further breakdown yesterday's beatdown in Las Vegas at the hands of the Raiders. Uh, Eagles, not good. Where do we go from here? Uh, we'll continue to talk about it. Jeff Cardiota McDonald here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, 
injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Malays Monday after a beatdown at the hands of the Raiders in Vegas. The Eagles fall to two and five, and we're searching for answers. Um, Jeff Curran for Johnny Mac today. Jay Mac on the plane coming back to the East Coast after I hope he at least won a couple bucks gambling because watching the Eagles was no day at the beach. Uh, so we'll hope. Maybe, maybe, maybe he had a uh, slot machine in the airport on the way out the door this morning. Uh, feel free to uh, text us, Mr. McMullen, uh, to tell us at least you were the only winner from Philadelphia out there in Vegas this weekend. Uh, Jeff, I, I did want to ask you about a chicken and an egg aspect of uh, the Eagles. And we talk about this a lot here on the show. There are certain things in football that one thing leads to another. Which one affects the other more? Defensive pressure, defensive line, does that make the cornerbacks better? and the coverage better, or does the coverage, if it's that good, give the defensive lineman the extra second to get there in pressure? It's a give-and-take thing. Sometimes it's one thing, sometimes it's the other. They certainly have an effect on each other. I, I did see a couple people ripping the Eagles for this, and it made me think of Chip Kelly, of all things. Uh, you're very good at relating back to Eagles of yesteryear, and I'm not turning the clock back all that far, but I did think of Chip Kelly. When I saw the stat that the Eagles are 31st in the NFL in time of possession out of 32 teams. And Chip used to talk about time possession because people would get on his case. Why? The defense is always on the field. We don't hold the football enough. And Chip would say, I don't care about time of possession. I care about number of plays. We're playing with pace. We're running up to the line of scrimmage. We're going to lose the time of possession, folks. Get used to it because this is my offense and it's not going to change. So just, you want my advice? Don't look at time of possession. We don't care. 
you shouldn't care. And he did so in his usually snarky, dismissive way, which annoyed a lot of people. But his point was actually accurate. Um, the Eagles don't play with pace. They don't rush up the line of scrimmage. They're 31st in the NFL in time of possession because two things. Number one, the offense doesn't churn it enough, doesn't get enough first down, doesn't hold on to it long enough. And the defense, yes, plays this soft aspect defense that lets the other team go down the field and 90-plus yard drives that take six minutes off the clock and end up with the other team scoring a touchdown. Yeah, that's how you lose time of possession as badly as the Eagles lose it week in and week out. Am I fair to be critical of both the offense and the defense with the stat that they're 31st in time of possession in the league? Not at all. Um, in the Eagles' case, time of possession is not overrated because if you see they're 31st in time of possession, they're also one of the worst teams in football. So it all correlates here. I don't think that's a chicken or the egg scenario at all. It's Their offense isn't on the field long enough to sustain drives, and uh, the Eagles do go hurry up a couple times. But the bottom line is, Jody, they don't have that many long drives. And when they do, they don't score on them anyway. So, you know, there's a lot of three and outs. There's a lot of three plays for like six yards or three plays for seven yards or six plays for 12 or 13 yards. It's like sometimes this team struggles to get a first down. And then defense is on the field way too long. They're already gassed. They don't have the personnel, you know, to mix and match. It's not like the, the Jim Schwartz years where, you know, you could just throw in uh, Derek Barnett for Brandon Graham or, you know, or, you know, whoever it was, Chris Long or anybody in that rotation, Vinnie Curry. You don't have that this year. You just don't because for some reason they don't play Milton Williams as much as they should. Uh, they don't rotate the defensive tackles as much as they should. I don't know if that's because they don't have faith in the Sam Ridgeway or whatever uh, you know the case is. But, yeah, teams just dink and dunk their way past this football team, and they have long, sustained six, seven-minute drives, and the Eagles go three and out, and it's right back at it. So, you know, I, I always thought when they hired Doug – he was the anti-chip because the Eagles were always amongst leaders in time of possession. And the one year they weren't, they were terrible. They were 4-11-1 because, they, you know, they, they were on the field too long and the offense just couldn't sustain drives. But most of the other years, like Super Bowl year, I think they were first in time of possession. I think in Doug's first year, you know, he said, look, we got to win the time of possession battle to be in football games. And that worked for him. And, you know, they were only 7-9, to nine, but they were clearly more competitive. They were – Second league in time of possession. I think in 2018, they were like second or third in time of possession. And again, they made the playoffs 2019. I think they fell to fifth or seventh or something like that. But they were still amongst league leaders. This team, they just don't know how to give their defense a break. They don't know how to keep the football in their hands. It's it's just bad all the way around. It, it, you know, it does feel like a kind of like an exit for Nick Sirianni, if you will. Kind of like Chips last year. Kind of like Ray Rhodes last year. Rich Kotites last year. It's just whatever they're trying just isn't working. And to hell or high water. You don't think there's any way that Jeff Floyd and I know we got ten games yet to decide it, so this is probably an unfair question at this point. But you don't think there's any way Jeff Floyd's going to pull a plug on this? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coaching staff after just one year, do you? I mean, it all depends how bad it gets. I mean, right now the guy just looks overmatched. He just doesn't look like he should be an NFL head coach. And if I had to rank the NFL head coaches, I would put Dan Campbell over Nick Sirianni right now. I watch a lot of Lions games. And, you know, I know you hate that they play hard and they're 0-7 and – yeah, last time they were over seven. I'm, I'm waiting for next Monday, Kirk, because one of the two of us is going to have egg on our face. If the Eagles lose, it's going to be me, and I'll eat that egg gladly. But I'm telling you, Dan Campbell can't coach. They're a bad football team. The Eagles have to, have to win this game next week, even though it's on the road. Um, yeah, uh, I'll take Nick Sirianni over Dan Campbell. Uh, see, I'm not sure, honestly, because I just think Nick just looks – Outmatched. His hair's turning gray already. You know, it's I'm getting sick of the Knicks area. And look, he kind of threw John McGann under the bus yesterday a little bit too. So I'm beginning to wonder if there's two ways Nick area can go with this. He can just go, yeah, we're going to keep trying this. We're just going to put different players in there. He's going to call out these coaches to say, hey, look, guys, we may not be here after this season. If this keeps up, you got to change. I got to change. Something's going to happen. So Nick Sirianni is having this coming to Jesus moment right now as an NFL head coach, only you know seven games in, and it's going to get ugly if they find a way to lose to a Lions team who can't can't win at all. They're on an 11-game losing streak. They're 0-7 for the first time since 2008. We know how that ended up. They're not a good football team. Jared Goff's not a good quarterback. They don't have a running game. They don't have receivers. And if I see Jared Goff dink and dunk his way down the football field with a with St. Brown and with the Sifla, I always forget how to say his name. And TJ Hawkinson just porches them. Right. Oh, man, Jody, I'm going to be so fired up next week because that should not happen. Like, this Lions team is – they're bad, but – I can honestly say they played for this head coach. I don't think the Eagles played for this guy at all. Uh, I will disagree on that. And let me let me ask you to, to uh, at least let me understand where you come from. You said Nick Sirianni threw uh, Jonathan Gannon under the bus, but you also said he's got to call these guys on the carpet and he's got to hold them responsible. Well, which was it? Did he unfairly throw them under the bus yesterday, or did he just hold them responsible, hold up his end of the bargain? On the defense, I disagree with your your use of the phrase, threw him under the bus. No, I think he just pointed out that the defense didn't get the job done. And, yes, he gives them a lot of responsibility. I don't think he micromanages the defense at all. I think he's pretty damn hands off. So when the defense plays as badly as they have, certainly yesterday that badly, if the coach is asked about the defense, I don't think it's unfair to him to point out that Jonathan Gannon's defense is not getting the the job done right now. Yeah, and – you know, I shouldn't say under the bus. I, I really should, he did call him out. So I, I would agree with you there, Jimmy. And, you know, he has every right to. He's John Fagan's boss. You know, he can fire John Fagan whenever, whenever he wants. I, I mean, we, we assume. Yeah, I don't know about that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think that, that I think that would be Mr. Roseman who would make that decision. He'd go in and go, hey, you got, hey, we made a mistake here. This guy's got to go. But it's not going to be his call. It's going to be Howie's call. Yeah, I forgot what, what, what team we're at here. They're not like normal NFL franchises here, Jimmy. They're the gold standard, you know. Howie Roseman makes the makes the calls, and we all see how well that's going. But I, I, I digress. But, yeah, 
I do think he has a right to say, hey, look, this guy's just not getting it done right now. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, you know, I just feel like Nick Sirianni is looking for answers and he didn't find any during the mini buy. I thought he had somewhat of an answer that first drive. Jalen Hurts under center, Miles Sanders on the ball, Miles Sanders gets hurt. And all of a sudden we're back to plan A or whatever plan A used to be. And I, I just think this guy is trying to, find out what's wrong or why isn't my plan working and this the good head coaches always seem to have some a plan b or a plan c or a plan d i don't know if this guy has a plan b i i I really don't right now i i just feel like it's he's going to go from i'm going to call out my coaches i'm going to call out my players here's the problem though you call out your players your players might be calling you out because cox is already doing that again and Darius Slay kind of did a couple weeks ago. That's why I defended Darius Slay on the tweet, but I hated the tweet because it's, oh, look what I'm doing. I don't really care, dude. You're you're on a two and five football team now. It's I don't care how good you are. Because to me, I'd rather be a bench player on a really good team than a great player on a terrible team. You know, it's just a loser mentality. And I, I, I don't know. It's this whole organization right now players coach it's a lot of these veterans don't deserve what they're getting right now and i'll lead into this thank god zach Ertz is over in arizona he he, he definitely deserved better than he got it fair enough uh and speaking of zach Ertz, i was just looking at this uh because it lends itself to the next point i want to make uh, i remember back to whatever week it was when eagles got their tails handed to them by the cowboys down in dallas um, after the Trayvon Diggs interception in the third quarter, the Eagles were behind 27 to 7. From that point on, to me, it became garbage time. And the Eagles went on a nice, lengthy eight play, 90 yard drive, scored a touchdown. Yeah, so what? Now it's 27 to 14. Didn't really do much. Uh, the Cowboys scored another couple of touchdowns. The Eagles got another drive late in the game, seven plays. 75 yards, scored a late touchdown, so what? They've gotten, over a couple of games this year, starting with the Cowboy game, adding into it the Chief game, uh, last week's game against Tampa, and yesterday's game against the Raiders, they're getting a whole bunch of, oh, by the way, points and yards, or garbage time yards. Call it whichever one you want. I think you understand the point I'm trying to make. And I remember after that Cowboy game, some of the Jalen Hurts defenders, and I consider myself one of them for the most part, but then there are the over-the-top, Jalen Hurts is the answer. Most of these individuals were uh, Carson Wentz detractors that feel the need to elevate Jalen Hurts and what he's done and accomplished. That oh, But look at his overall stats. We can't look at his overall stats because he's getting a bunch of yards and points when they don't really matter. They're after the fact and didn't change the outcome of the game stats. And sure enough, he padded them again yesterday in a game that had already been decided. Do we only evaluate Jalen Hurts on what happens when the game is within, let's say, single digits? That the kind of plays he makes when the game can still potentially swing? Or is it uh, fair to just go, well, the game's over and done with? He's still got to make those plays, even though the score kind of indicates the other team's defense isn't worried about letting them do certain things. How do we evaluate Jalen Hurts in in the fact that 
the Eagles have had some games where they've basically been buried and he's just putting up numbers. Well, that's the thing. It, it, it's hard to because unless he's leading them to comebacks, which he did against Carolina, but that wasn't really garbage time. I, I mean, they were still in that game. And, you know, Sam Fran, I thought they were still in the game, even though it didn't look like, you know, you're down 17-3. They made it 17-11, so you're still in the game. But, you know, yesterday you can't really evaluate it because a, a lot of his stats were garbage time. And, again, I, I, you know, at one point him and Derek Carr had the same passer rate in the first half. And I'm like, how is this possible? And it was 17-7. Well, because Derek Carr threw a pick, and which wasn't his fault. It was tipped. And Jalen Hurts did it. So, you know, again, it's so hard to just evaluate a guy when they're getting blown out. And, you know, yesterday it, it was hard for me to evaluate him because he was getting chased all day long. And, yeah, he made plays at the end of the game. Big, big deal. It was 37. I was already writing up my game story and my takeaways and every other problem I have with that football team at that point. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I just don't know how to evaluate, properly evaluate this guy. You know, you look at the total yards and you look at, and this is where I come to my defense of him. Well, Justin Herbert won. He didn't win last year. He didn't win at all last year. Not till the very end of the year when everything was done. And Jalen Hurts was with him and Cam Newton. Well, Cam Newton won. Cam Newton didn't win his first year. He didn't win his second year. But he put up a lot of yards. And, you know, you could say some were garbage time. Fine. But, Cam Newton put up a lot of yards. That's where I'll, I'll kind of go and defend Jalen Hurts a bit. But, you know, if you're valuing him just from the X's and O's, like BLG said, got to get that slant to Devonta Smith. And I thought Devonta Smith should have caught that slant earlier in the game, too. I'm like, you can have a bad throw, and the guy still can catch it. Like, this is why you draft him 10th overall, because he's supposed to make that catch. Jamar Chase catches everything. Jalen Waddle catches a lot of passes. Like, Devonta Smith should be able to do that, especially when he knows the quarterback. But – Again, I'm not I'm not saying Devonta Smith here. It's that's just one play. But overall, Jalen Hurts to me, it's it's he just doesn't have the look of he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be Justin Herbert. He's going to be Cam Newton. He's going to be that franchise quarterback. He has more of a look of he's Gardner Minshew. And yeah, that's not what and really that's not what the Eagles drafted him to be a franchise quarterback. They drafted him to be Carson Wentz's backup, but I like the kid. I you know, again, I've talked to him a bunch of times, great interview, but just doesn't have the look of franchise quarterback where that's where the Eagles got to go back to the drawing board here. So the Eagles are now two and five, which means this is going to sound weird. They're tied for second place in the division. The Cowboys have run away and hid. I officially did that yesterday on the air on CBS Sports Radio. Um, I handed the division to the Cowboys and the Cowboys didn't even play. They had a bye week. But it was actually a good bye week because Dak's got an injury issue that he's dealing with. And the fact that he's going to have two full weeks to just let it heal is actually a very good thing. It seems like the football gods are actually aligning with the Cowboys. And I know Eagle fans don't want to hear that, but the facts are the facts. Uh, Eagles 2-5, and five, Washington football team 2-5, and five, Giants because they got to win 2-5. and five. So it's a three-way tie for second place. However... After yesterday's action, over the last couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, but specifically yesterday, the Eagles 2-5 and five looks even less than it did because a couple of their losses that we just analyzed in the moment now even look shakier. When they got beat by the 49ers, I know I said before the season started, I thought the 49ers were a playoff team. Shoot, I thought the NFC West was going to get the run of the wild cards. They get all three of them coming out of that division. I did. Uh, shame on me. 
the 49ers got beat by Carson Wentz last night. So the guy that uh, we helped run out of town. Now he ran himself out. I'm not putting all of that on the Eagles. Carson Wentz forced his way out of town. But the Eagles say, okay, yeah, you want to get out, Carson? We'll get out. We'll take the mega, the largest cap hit in the history of the National Football League. But if you really don't want to be here, we can go in another direction. Uh, he beat the 49ers. Jalen Hurts couldn't beat the 49ers. Uh, so that loss looks even worse now. And, oh, by the way, the Kansas City Chiefs, who, yeah, I thought they had no chance against the Chiefs. Chiefs, I said the Chiefs are going to put up a 40 spot. Chiefs put up a 40 spot, and the Eagles were beaten badly. Well, they had no chance to beat the Chiefs. Well, guess what? Other teams are beating the Chiefs. The Chiefs are three and four. They're below 500. They've only got three wins, one of which was against the Eagles. So we do this from time to time. You look back, and uh, you're always looking ahead, and they better beat the friggin' Lions next week. Uh, but you can take a look back every once in a while. The Eagle losses even look worse now, Jeff Kerr. Yeah, um, the Chiefs, I don't know if you want to be an Eagles fan or a Chiefs fan today because I, I know Chiefs fans are off the rails right now based on them getting demolished by the Titans. They should not lose to the Titans by as much as they should, but maybe this is just who the Chiefs are. They don't have a defense. Their offensive line's good. Their quarterback is just turning the football over way too much. I mean, they can run the football, but again, you know, Patrick Mahomes wants to make every single play known the man instead of just taking the five yards that they're giving him. I mean, the, the only time he ever did was when John McGannon gave it to him. So it's, I all know, Jody, it's, yeah, these losses, you know, Atlanta actually looks better than, I thought Atlanta was going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They're, they're what, they're three and three now? They just beat Miami? It's, again, they're not a good team, but they're three and three. There's, if, if I'm right, they're, they're third place in the NFC South. Um, only half game behind the Saints, and if the Saints lose, they're tied with them. So, again, it's, I don't know. I mean, Tampa Bay looked, Looks every bit as good as they do, and yep. Eagles. I guess you could say they play them tough at the end on a short week. I don't. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. You know, San Francisco's not any good. They looked terrible last night. You know, Carson Wentz made a fool out of them in the monsoon, and you know, Frank and Jonathan Taylor did. It's just I don't know. Like we thought, the Colts are going to be terrible at one and four. All of a sudden, they're three and four, and it's a shame for them they didn't gain any ground on Tennessee. You know, they were probably banking on Tennessee to lose to. Kansas City this week at home, and that didn't happen. So I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I think the only solace the Eagles can take right now, if you're an Eagles fan, is Carson Wentz is not going to get benched. There is no possible way they are benching Carson Wentz. The way he's playing right now, I don't care what their record is. They could be 6-9. and nine. They are not benching Carson Wentz. They're just not doing it. They got their guy. And Miami is god-awful. Chris Greer's answering a lot of questions. Their general manager about Deshaun Watson. Two has got to answer questions about Deshaun Watson. Brian Flores is losing the locker room. That team's a mess. I can, for once, at one time, say Howie Roseman's a genius because he fleeced them. You know, he basically got Devonta Smith and a top five draft pick for Jalen Wallace. That's what Chris Greer pretty much traded um, for to, to move up in the draft and get Jalen Wallace. It made no sense at the time. It still doesn't make sense. But, uh, Back to your initial point about the schedule. I mean, I, I still say it is what it is. I still think Kansas City is a lot better than them. I still think Tampa Bay is a lot better than them. All their luck. But Carolina looks terrible. Atlanta looks a little bit better than they are. But I agree with you. They've got to beat Detroit. Oh, by the way, the Raiders actually look pretty good. I, I will say that. 
Yeah, the the Raiders are are legit, and right now they're tied with the uh, Chargers for the top of that division. Two games added. They're second in the conference, Jody. Yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. Um, I did want to get this one point in there uh, before we take a timeout and punch up our buddy Les Bowen. Uh, got this tweet last night on CBS Sports Radio when I was on. Um, the three most shocking games of the NFL so far this year. Uh, the Bengals going in and crushing the Ravens yesterday. Very true. Didn't see that coming. But the Bengals are legit, too. Uh, Tennessee beating Kansas City. Not as much, but again, people surprised by Tennessee. Green Bay, New Orleans week one. Yeah, that, that one stands out to me. Really didn't see that happen. Oh, by the way, uh, Green Bay hasn't lost since. Let me add one more to the mix. How about the Jets beating Tennessee? The Jets beat Tennessee, and then Tennessee beats Buffalo and Kansas City? I, I, that's when I was going, holy mackerel, that's as good for the Eagles because as bad as the Colts were, they're going to stay in the mix because Tennessee is not going to run away and hide. They can't even beat the Jets. Ooh, then they beat the Bills and the Chiefs, so Tennessee is the team to beat. I, I got another one for you. The Texans are the worst team in football. How the heck did they beat Jacksonville? I'm still – they can't even get 200 yards against anybody. But somehow they beat – I still say if the Texans and the Jaguars played each other today, Jacksonville would beat them by 20. And Jacksonville – they, they have another game, don't they? Divisional they rivals, they have to play later. Um, we'll see. Maybe the Texans beat them again. The Jaguars are just uh, – the, the, both of those franchises are stone That division stinks. That's right. When you think it can't get any worse for the Eagles – Think about the Texans. Think about the Jaguars. There are teams with only one win so far. At least the Eagles did get two. All right, Jeff Carr. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Birds 365 guys today. We will be joined next by our buddy, former uh, Daily News Inquirer, Eagles beat writer. He's doing some work from AP these days. You know he's still got his finger on the pulse of the Birds. Les Bowen up next here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. 
in Philadelphia, we celebrated a miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Birds 365, John McMullen winging his way back from Vegas. Yes, head down as he goes to the airport out there in Vegas. And don't think he's necessarily going to raise it when he gets off some plane here in Philadelphia. It's a bad game, ugly game. They got dominated by the Raiders yesterday, 33-22. to 22. And again, the final score might not indicate the uh, severity of the beatdown because Eagles did once again get some, oh, by the way, garbage points and uh, yards and everything else, uh, which you need to factor in when you're trying to determine the ineptitude of the offense of this team right now. Um, so uh, we'll continue to dissect it for you. Hoping to hear from Les Bowen. I reached out to Les yesterday, said he would hop on. We haven't been able to make the connection yet, but we are going to try and do that between now and uh, the end of the show. Uh, JK, I got this question for you. Sometimes when people go there, I, I I don't completely understand it. So maybe that's why I dismiss it. I know that it, it counts for a lot, but I just don't have as good a grasp of it in my own mind as I probably should. A team's identity. A lot of people talk about your team needs an identity, has to have an identity. I can tell you exactly what type of team they are because here's their identity. I'm having a real tough time coming up with an identity of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, are, are you able to formulate what this team is attempting to do as far as what they want their identity to be and why they haven't, I, you can't, you can't be happy with your identity right now, but I'm not even sure what their identity, what the coaching staff and the organization as a whole want the identity of this team to be. Where are you at with the identity of the 2021 Eagles? So I'm going to give a shout-out to my buddy uh, Hembo on Get Up. I don't know if you've ever seen Get Up with Greenberg and those guys. I, I try I try not to watch it, but yeah, I know, yeah, well, I I know who Hembo is. Yeah, yeah. I only watch because of Hembo and his crazy stats because that, that guy is – I'm good at stats. That, that guy's the king, and he's a Penn State grad, so I got to give him some love. Um, so this is the identity of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. Drew Brees is the NFL completion percentage record at 74.4%. 
The Eagles as a team have allowed 74.4% of their passes to be completed this season. Shout out Hembo. That, that, that's brilliant. I, I think he tweeted about it this morning. And I'm like, you're the man, Hembo. I'm like, you really are. That. That's the identity of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. We're just going to let you dink and dunk your way into the end zone. And we're just going to say we, we are not a dime team right now. That's the identity of the Philadelphia. We are not a dime team right now. We are not anything right now. We're... We're, we're just a football team with just trying to survive the season. That, that is a 2021 Philadelphia Eagles video yearbook. That's a pretty sad identity if that's the one you're looking at <laughs> as of right now. All right, Jeff gave me the answer. Uh, we've got Les Bone. It looks like he's almost ready for broadcast purposes. I will put to him the same question that I just have to ask to Jeff Kerr. Uh, Les, good to see you. Thanks for hopping on board. What is the identity of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles? Well, they don't have one. That's one of their main problems right now, Jody. Uh, Offensively or defensively, they don't have an identity. I'm really struck by the fact that defensively, and I don't think there's so much focus in the fan base about running the ball and stuff like that. This defense Okay, their two best players are Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay. I don't think either of those players feels he's being used optimally. You know, they're trying to run a scheme that is pretty much the opposite of what their talent suggests they should be doing. Uh, They can't stop anything defensively. They have no, you know, personality defensively. Um, offensively, their, their identity is let's see if Jalen can make a play here somehow. Uh, you know, Dallas Goddard was supposed to have this big coming out party with Zach Ertz gone. And, you know, the first drive, he gets a, a big long completion and then he got two more catches the rest of the day. Uh, it's, they just don't have uh, anything they can hang their hat on other than Hurts scrambling around offensively. And they have nothing they can hang their hat on defensively. Uh, it's, it's a mess. Plus, is there anything positive you can take with this football team right now? It just feels like there's nothing we can say about this current roster where we're like, oh, they can build around this guy. No, that's the real problem. You know, there are people that want to be – Let's be calm. We didn't think they'd be very good. Blah, 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 blah. Um, that's all true. But we thought we would see progress. We thought we would see people develop. You know, Jalen Hurts isn't any better than he was last season if he's as good. Um, and you get, you know, toward the end of yesterday's game, you had Jonathan Velma going on and on about, oh, it's only his 11th start. Well, that would be great if it was like a little bit better than his second start or his third start, but it isn't. It's worse, you know, and that's uh, that's a huge problem, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, there's nobody really, uh, even Devontae Smith, you know, uh, Hertz keeps throwing the ball behind him and they keep calling those drops. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that's helping Devontae Smith a lot. I don't see who's developing here. I, Maialata had a rough day. I think his... Uh, his knee is still not right, uh, and he was moving around, you know, left tackle, right tackle. Where is he now? You know, I mean, 
No, there's <laughs> Jeff. That's a very good question. There's nobody uh, developing anything on this team right now. And that's a fair critique on the coaching staff on both sides of the ball. Uh, so I agree with both of you guys on that one. Um, it, you talked about Hurts and the fact that, yes, he started some games last year, and you could legitimately use that as a comp from this year, that from last year to this year. And we're not seeing near enough progress. How much are you putting on him? This is a question that we asked on a weekend. We got bases these days uh, less. It, it, he himself has issues and you can watch the plays develop and see where he might make a decision that uh, could have been made differently. But right now the Eagles system to me stinks. The play calling stinks. Uh, yeah. It got supposedly Doug Peterson fired because he did such a lousy job play calling last year. Well, I don't think Nick Sirianni can hold a candle to Doug Peterson as of right now in play calling. How do you evaluate Jalen Hurts? when the play calling is as questionable as it has been this year? That, too, is a good question, Jody. And that's the same thing we ran into with Wentz. You know, last year we were having the same type of conversation then in terms of the quarterback. How do you evaluate him when, you know, what they're trying to do isn't doesn't seem like it has any chance of working? It's hard. I, I don't – maybe that is a huge problem here. Uh I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think, you know, one thing that struck me yesterday, so Miles Sanders goes down. Clearly they had planned for the first time all year to really use Miles Sanders a lot running the ball. He goes down, and their initial uh, idea was to keep running, but to run Kenny Gainwell between the tackles, which, you know, that's, that's not what Kenny Gainwell does well. Uh, you saw on that first touchdown what Kenny Gainwell does well. And they finally came back to that play late in the second half. Um, the throw across the middle where he used his speed and, and ran away from people. Um, you know, why in the world? I mean, you, it's, somebody reminded them they had Boston Scott eventually, and they got him in for a few carries inside. It didn't really work very well because Boston Scott is not Miles Sanders. Uh they don't have a back, you know, they have Jordan Howard sitting on the practice squad. They could have had him active for this game and maybe been able to run between the tackles a little bit. But, uh, yeah, the adjustments don't come. That's, that's the biggest thing about the offense. That's the point I'm trying to make is if somebody does something they're not expecting or if something doesn't work the way they're expecting it to, it takes them forever to sort of sort out, you know, how they – how they want to uh, respond, and it it's it's worse than it's ever been in that regard. I think. Yeah, one of my biggest concerns, less it's not Howie Roseman in general right now, but you got Carson Wentz who did not want to be he. You know, whatever his reasoning was, he just did not want to be in Philadelphia anymore. He got his way, got to Indianapolis, good for him. Deshaun Watson don't want to come here either. Um, that's pretty well known now. Uh, does anybody want to come here? Like, this is not a healthy franchise to play for, and you got two guys who flat out said no. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. Uh, I don't know how to evaluate that, really. Um, with Deshaun Watson, I, I just can't imagine bringing him here, you know, uh, anyway. It's a bad uh, PR move. Whatever he, he thinks or wants. Um 
you know, I think in general, the franchise is still pretty well regarded uh, in terms of the way it's run. It's not, uh, you know, they pay people. Uh, it's not a, a place where players uh, don't get their money or, or, you know, it's not a tiny market uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, but the bigger issue with Howie Roseman is they have all these draft picks coming up. And do you want Howie making these picks, really? Uh, this is so important to the future of the franchise. There's a real good chance they're going to be drafting what they hope will be a franchise quarterback this year, in addition to a couple of other really key pieces. Uh, has Howie shown you that he's the guy to make that judgment? Um, I, boy, that's that's a tough one for me. Uh, Howie's done some good things over his tenure. Obviously, they did win the Super Bowl. Uh you know, and he, there were some strokes of genius involved in that particular season, off season for him. But overall, you look at like 10 years with Howie here, and there's been a lot more lows than there have been highs and a lot more huge mistakes than huge uh, home run acquisitions or, or drafts. Uh, I don't think most other cities – he would not still be the the general manager at this point. I mean, I think when Doug Peterson got fired, a lot of places that would have been it for the whole, you know, player operation. And obviously it wasn't, and we don't know what it would take to, to make that the case. All right, Les, I want to follow up on something you said and get you to expound it a little bit. Um, you said that Deshaun Watson would not be a play for you because you just question his character because of all these alleged incidents because you just yeah i just that's just a, a terrible and and you know what the atmosphere in our culture is in 2021 to bring somebody in who's i think credibly accused by many many women of gross misconduct however it plays out legally uh, looking at the image Jeff Lurie has tried to project of his franchise and his own values, uh, I, I think that would be just ridiculous. Uh, the only, th I mean, if there's some sort of like crazy, you know, TV miniseries conclusion of this where Deshaun Watson is completely innocent and this is a huge conspiracy or something, then, then yeah. But otherwise, no, uh, I don't want that guy here. I don't want him quarterbacking the Eagles. I, the only other, the only other path would be if somehow Deshaun Watson said, you know, I have a mental illness or something and gets. Oh, he's like, going down the Ben Simmons road. Yeah. Huh? Oh boy. <laughs> if he gets treatment, apologizes, you know, uh, pledges to spend time, you know, uh, working on behalf of sexual assault survivors or something. I don't know. But I, it, in the present situation, just to say, oh, we got this guy. Uh, some women said he, he uh, raped them. But um, uh, we want to win some football games here. How in the world would that ever work out? I mean, really, do you guys see that? 
Well, BLG put out an interesting point too. Just the attitude. Like I remember too, it was in August. You know, he was, I think it was in his like hooded sweatshirt or something. And he went to like two or three reporters. Why are you filming me? That's Houston. Can you imagine what Philadelphia is going to be like with those guys? Yeah. Yeah. That That's a very good point, Jeff. I mean, that's, that's a secondary consideration, but an important one. Uh, this is, you know, nobody's, this isn't some college town where people are just going to say, okay, he's our guy now. You know, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it would be incredibly problematic and I don't see it happening. Less, uh, I know this goes back to uh, before my time, maybe even before your time, um, the fact that the Eagles have, as an organization, and this is over different ownership, certainly different general manager. It spans decades that the Eagles have devalued linebackers. It's yeah. the, the last time they took a linebacker first round, Jerry Robinson, whole bunch of the people watching the show right now. We're not even born yet. That's how long <laughs> ago it is. We have to go back. Including myself. <laughs> Including Jeff Kerr. Uh, is this the year that they finally go, uh, yeah, maybe we need to actually upgrade our linebacker. We need to put a little bit more emphasis on linebacker, be it either draft or free agency, uh, spending, whatever it is. Or are they just going to continue to say, no, 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 we're telling you, we're smarter than everybody else. Anybody who's spending money on linebackers is making a mistake in the NFL in 2022. It's just so frustrating to watch the other team go down the field 10 yards at a time, stick it into the end zone. They don't have any playmakers at linebacker right now. Sorry, Davion Taylor, you're flashing nothing that makes me believe you're that guy. Will this be the offseason the Eagles finally say, all right, linebacker is an area that we need to address? Well, if, if Jonathan Gannon remains the defensive coordinator, they just about have to uh, really address that because, like I said, he, has see, he seems to have a scheme that is predicated on linebacking, which is just a ridiculous thing to bring in here with the, the, the personnel that they have. Uh, but I don't know if Jonathan Gannon is going to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, rolling back a little bit, when this idea first began to grate on fans' uh, perceptions was back when they let go of Jeremiah Trotter. Uh, the first year I was on the beat, that was like the first story I covered in 2002, the spring of 2002. They franchised Jeremiah Trotter. He was very upset by this. He thought he deserved a long-term contract. He went down to NovaCare and made a scene. Uh, eventually, they just released him, and he signed with Washington. Uh, eventually, he came back and helped the Eagles get to a Super Bowl. But, you know, that, that was the genesis of this. Um, in the 2000s, they were kind of at the forefront of NFL thinking. They were kind of right that linebacker wasn't, especially the big, strong, run-stopping linebacker, was not a key element of a championship team very often in that time. But the game kind of runs cycles, as you guys know. And in fact, I think linebacking is more important currently than they give it credit for being, especially if you have a defensive coordinator who wants to funnel everything, make everything the linebackers, you know, the, the linebackers have to stop the run. The linebackers have to stop the pass over the middle. <laughs> um, if you're going to make that the, for, the, the 
calling card of your defense, then you'd better have some good ones for sure. And, you know, uh, this guy had uh, Darius Leonard in, in Indianapolis. So, yeah, they're, if, if they keep Jonathan Gannon, they're going to have to do that. But, again, Jonathan Gannon, to me, he is the much more than Sirianni. I mean, how you come in here with that scheme, you, a good coach matches the scheme to the talent that he has in front of him. And to look at Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox and find ways to minimize them, I, I don't know that I want that guy to be my defensive coordinator. I'm pretty sure I don't. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with them in linebacking. Uh, it's been a fascinating subject through the years. I think I mentioned to you guys, I actually did a story back when I was just writing for the Daily News. This was probably more than 10 years ago, close to 10 years ago. Before the draft, you're always looking for stuff to do. So I actually called up Jerry Robinson and talked to him about having been the last linebacker the Eagles drafted in the first round. He had no idea. He was a <laughs> He was like, what? <laughs> but that was, and I, you know, I think it might have been like around 2011, 2012 that I did that. And you could write the same story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Call Jerry yeah, back can... this year. Go, yeah, hey, Jerry, you yeah. still haven't taken a linebacker in the first round. Yeah. Do a follow up. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and linebackers aren't, I mean, if you're drafting like top 10, you know, linebackers generally aren't of great value, but that's not really, you know, Look at Micah Parsons this year. Yep. And the value he has given that Dallas defense. Is he a linebacker in the Jeremiah Trotter, you know, uh, 265 pounds since? No, but he's all over the field. He's a safety. He's a linebacker. He's a pass rusher, you know, and that is part of modern day football, you know, <laughs> and I, I hope the Eagles realize that. Yeah, speaking of draft prospects, Les, I, I, say the Eagles get this this Dolphins pick. It, it looks like it's definitely going to be top five the way the Dolphins yeah. There is a defensive end that I watch him every week. I want him on this football team. I know people on this site have heard of him. The Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I, I want this guy keeping keeping green on. It, it, that's how bad I, I want him on the Eagles. Like, Could the Eagles, if they get that number one, number two pick, I mean, he may go number one, but – you can't pass on a guy like that, right? A franchise-changing defensive end. I, I mean, Washington's not getting him with Chase Young, but this guy looks for real. Well, I think Chase Young is pretty much for real. I don't think they've done a good job around Chase Young, and maybe they need to do some things to maximize what he does well. But your point, yeah. yeah um, do they have their quarterback? That's what I'm worried uh, about. <laughs> yeah, that that's the problem here. Uh I don't know. You know, everybody says these quarterbacks that were everybody's looking at before the season aren't doing well. You know, Spencer Rattler certainly has been benched. Uh, It's so hard to see with quarterbacks who's going to be good. And usually the guys picked one or two aren't, you know, usually there's somebody farther down the draft who does better. I don't know. But if they don't have a quarterback, that's going to be a huge consideration with that first pick. If, if Jalen Hurts isn't the answer long-term, they're going to have to really look long and hard first at what they, if there is somebody, that they're, they're certain can be a franchise quarterback with that first pick. 
after that, then you look at other positions. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they're going to have more than one first-round pick. Maybe you think you can get your quarterback later. Maybe there's a guy you like that isn't, uh, you know, I don't know where that guy from Jerry Falwell's school is going to go. You know, I, uh, it's, it's, I don't know what they're going to do. But, yeah, that would be a great pick. You're right. That guy would be a great first pick if, if they don't need a franchise quarterback or if they can get one some other way. Yeah, a quick follow-up to that, Les. So this is the tough part I have about Jalen Hurts. I, I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, but I don't think he's Sam Darnold or Davis Mills either. So what do you, you know, what do you need like to properly evaluate this guy over the last ten games? I'd like to see him make some throws uh, that aren't, you know, ten yard uh, throws. I would like to see him. Uh, stay in the pocket a little bit and find a second or third option once in a while. Uh, I would like to see, you know, they, they kind of have taken the RPOs away from him because he couldn't, his idea was he'd just keep the ball every time, (laughs) you know, I want to see him learn to run those uh effectively uh there's a lot that i want to see from him and i haven't seen any of it yet really frankly what you see is grit you see character you see you know accountability you see toughness and those are all wonderful things but that quarterback unless you're making the throws accurately and and you know going to all sections of the field those other things are, are just kind of, you know, beside the point. And that's kind of where we are. He, he's, he looks more and more like the kind of guy that's going to be in the league a long time, but he's not going to be a long time starter anywhere. You know, there's a lot of guys like that, that mm. they kind of around and they start for a while here and they start for a while there, but they're mostly backup type or, you know, C level quarterbacks. And uh, I hope I'm wrong about that for the Eagles sake. And for his sake, because he seems to be a great guy, really good person. So he's Ty Detmer. <laughs> I, you know, like I said, I, you just don't see improvement. And that's a real stopping point for me. That That's profound at this point. All right. So, uh, Les Bowen, let's solve the Philadelphia Eagle quarterback problems. You and I right now, we're going to do a little role uh, play, okay? I'm going to be Chris Greer. You're going to be Howie Roseman. Let's say the Miami Dolphins can come to an agreement with the Houston Texans, and they're going to get the Sean Watson. That makes Tua Tungabaloa very available. I'm Chris Greer calling you Howie Roseman, and I'm going to offer you Tua Tungabaloa, and all you have to give me is a future second-round conditional pick. Now, I just took Tua at number, what was it, six, five, six? It was five. It was five, and Herbert was six. I thought it was six, seven. If you tell me it was five, six, I believe you, Jeff Kerr. You're better at these things than me. Um, I, I'm, I'm potentially going to get only a second-round pick three years later for a guy who's taken at number five. It's your second-round pick next year, but if Tua in the uh, 80, in the 2022 season plays – uh, we'll go 85% of the snaps. Carson Wentz only has to play 75. I'll take 85 
But if he's that good for you, yeah, you got to give me a one then next year in 2022. But it's a conditional two that can jump up to a one. You got any interest in Tuatanga below? Because the quarterbacks coming out this year, there's no Joe Burrow. There's no uh, Trevor Lawrence in this year's draft class. Oh, by the way, we're getting Deshaun Watson. You're not getting him, Howie Roseman. You think Aaron Rodgers is going to end up in Philadelphia? I don't think so. You think that Russell Wilson is going to end up in Philadelphia? I don't think so. I'm giving you a legit choice here. Do you like Tua Tungabaloa enough to pull a trigger on that deal? Well, see, that's the problem, Jody. The deal can be as attractive as you want to make it. But unless you're sold on the player being the answer for you, it doesn't matter what you're getting him for. And I'm not. I mean, I I watched a good bit of that. I was watching the Red Zone yesterday at 1 o'clock, like most people, I think, because that we had one game available to us in our market, and it was – you know, the Bengals-Ravens, which was an interesting game, but not two teams that I care a whole lot about. So I was watching Red Zone, and they showed a lot of that Miami game. And, you know, he made a terrible turnover. Uh, he did some good things, but I, I'm i not big on two. Uh, not two a guy. I, All right. He has one bad one again. Better arm. Yeah, he has a better arm. Maybe there's more to work with there. Maybe you think, okay, we've got the coaching staff that can really develop this guy. I sure don't see that right now. But, <laughs> you know. If they were some Miamis. Yeah. Why are they trading for Deshaun Watson? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not so much about where they took this guy. It's like, what is he in the NFL? And, uh <laughs> I don't see him being any sort of great answer. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't really do a lot of film study of quarterbacks and, you know, all that stuff. I, I could be totally wrong, but off the top of my head, I just, that does not excite me. Fair enough. I'm a tour guy. That's why I brought it up. Okay. And, and right. if, if it were the other way around and you were Chris Gary and I were Harry Roseman, I would say done deal. Now, you're right. Tua has not blown anybody away with his performance to this point. He did. They, he wasn't the reason they lost the game yesterday. He stuck it in the end zone with two minutes to go to give him the lead. And the defense let old Matty Ice run down the yeah. field and get the game-winning field goal. So, that, uh, I still very... think I'm still a big Tua Tungabaloa fan. So, yes, I would do something like that. All right. Uh, fun stuff. I know you used to love it getting in there after the fact day after a couple days after what's Nick Sirianni's narrative going to be. We know after the game yesterday, he said, we were not good enough. Yeah. Put it on me. And he might've pointed at the defensive coordinator too. Yeah. We weren't good enough on defense. Has he got uh, anywhere left to turn with an answer for this week, leading into a game that they should win, basically have to win against the lions this week. What are we going to hear out of Nick Sirianni? Uh, this week, less. Boy, that's a real good question. I, I've been thinking more about what people should ask him. I was, you know, when you're used to being in these press conferences and you watch them from afar, you're a little frustrated sometimes. I was, I would have really hammered that you had extra time to prepare, and this is what happened, you know, uh, thing yesterday. But obviously, that's going forward. That's not really. A narrative. Um, what's he going to say? Uh, we have to be better up front. Maybe that's where he's going to put it. Uh, I didn't think either line, you know, was any good yesterday. And 
both lines should have been competitive against the team they were playing. Uh, we have to get some stability on our offensive line and get the guys settled into roles. I don't know. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's a 17-game season. We still have plenty of time to, you know, we needed to get this turned around now, but the season's not over. Uh, I don't know what his, his narrative is, really. It's, uh, you know, that was, like you said, they've had at least three losses this year where the final score looks a lot better than the game looked. And that's something he's going to have to own up to at some point. They're getting, you know, garbage points. Everybody who really knows the league and watches the league knows what's really going on. You're getting killed by most of these teams. Uh, The only – since that opener where everything looked so great, the only game they've won was Carolina and Sam Darnold, who was benched yesterday had to throw three interceptions and they had to block a punt in the fourth quarter to win that game by points. You know, it's somehow Sirianni is going to have to come to grips with where they really are, you know, and it's not, they're not like, in there, you know, fighting for the, for the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, They are at the very bottom of the barrel. I thought when the Giants won yesterday and looked a lot better against the Panthers than, than the Eagles did in beating them by two points and Washington actually played a decent game, lost to Aaron Rodgers, but went to Lambeau and, you know, did not get blown out. Uh, You know, I, the Eagles are right at the bottom of this division, as far as I'm concerned, along with Washington and New York. And it's a coin flip. They're not people were saying, oh, they could, you know, they'll win those games. I you have to show me that I you know, they're really they need to come to grips with where they are. And, you know, huge changes on defense with scheme, I think uh, offensively, they've got to figure out how to make Jalen Hurts effective. And I don't know what the answer to that is. As you said, the Eagles need to figure out where they're at. I can tell you where we're at. We're basically out of time. Uh, Les, as always, a pleasure. Thank you very much for for coming on. We're going to continue to tap into you, bud. You're doing quite well with your downtime. You still have your finger on the pulse of the Eagles, and we thank you for sharing with us today. Appreciate it, bud. Thank you, guys. Take care. Les Bowen here with us on Birds 365. All right. JK, Jody Mack, hanging with you. Come back. Put a bow on the show. We'll wrap up a tough Monday edition of Birds At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Monday after an Eagle beat down at the hands of the Raiders uh, yesterday here on Birds 365. I'm not only here to thank Jeff Kerr, but I'm here to praise Jeff Kerr as well. Because Sundays, after the while the Eagles were playing, I do a show on CBS Sports Radio, national uh, radio show. Uh, Zach Gelb does Ion Football from noon all the way till 8 p.m., eight-hour show. And I come in and give him a helping hand the last two hours of his show and then do my own little shorty two-hour show thereafter. Twice during the two hours I was on with Zach, he specifically had to reference Jeff Kerr tweets that Kerr was sending. Our guy from CBSSports.com, Jeff Kerr made a great tweet about Zach Kurtz, and there was another one that I apologize. I forget. Both Zach Kurtz tweets, I'm pretty sure. Were they both on Zach Kurtz? I know. I was all on the whole National Tight Ends Day binge. So any. Relevant stat I found on the tight end I thought was cool I used. All right. In case anybody missed it, uh, again, give the people what Zach Ertz accomplished yesterday. Something he did that he could never do all his time here in Philadelphia. So I wanted to just pour on to the misery of Eagles fans. And 
I was like, when Zachary's car touched up fast, I'm like, I don't think he ever had a touchdown catch of that long with the Eagles. And lo and behold, I was right. He never had a touchdown catch over 35 yards with the Eagles. He gets one his first game with Arizona. Uh, by the way, he's also the first player ever to have touchdown catches in back-to-back weeks for two different teams. So I thought really? that was interesting. Okay. Oh, well, maybe that was the other one that uh... – my boy, uh, Zach was referencing yesterday. Oh, I forgot to tweet this one out yesterday. Zach Ertz got a carry in that football game. He almost scored a touchdown. He never had a carry in his eight and a half years with the Eagles. Damn. And uh, I guess, see, now there's an example. They had extra time with Zach Ertz because he got traded on a Friday. Couldn't play on a Sunday because you can't play for two different teams in one week. Uh, so he had that extra time to get more situated and into the game plan and everything else. And then he comes out and does what he does. When Nick Sirianni's got that extra time, what happens? We're still trying to figure out what benefit they got from a week and a half to prep for the Raiders because it sure as hell wasn't uh, easily detectable yesterday. Uh, Jeff Kurt, thank you very much. Always a pleasure when you and I get to do it together, buddy. Um, pretty sure it'll be you and I next Monday uh, because Jay Mack will be coming back from uh, Detroit, another Eagle Road game. So if I don't talk to you between now and Monday, thanks for jumping on with us today. Always a pleasure, Jerry Mag. Uh, what we, we got nine Eagles road games this year. Uh, so I, I keep forgetting that it's eight and nine. It's not the eight and eight formula. So I'll be yeah. But you got to you got to give Mc, you got to give McMullen at least this much. He hustles back down to Jersey Turnpike. They got the Giants at the Giants and at the Jets and whatever. I, I'm thinking he's going to be back for those. I might be joining him for after those road games. games. So- I might be joining him for those games, so I'll be sharing in my misery as well. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Jeff Carr. Thanks to Les Bowen. Thanks to BLG for hopping on board as guests. Johnny Mack will be back tomorrow. It'll be Mack and Mack here on Birds 365. The Lions are coming. The Lions are coming. A win is coming, Eagle fans. They better friggin' win next Sunday. We'll be back here tomorrow on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.